Nice work, Bone Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, watchers? It's time to officially kick off the holiday season, and today's episode features what might be the greatest holiday season transition movie ever. This is also the first time we're reviewing an animated or stop-motion style film. And while not directed by him, this is a product of the slightly twisted but brilliant mind of Tim Burton. It's time to finish off all that Halloween candy, boys and girls, and dust off your jingle bells. (laughs) I didn't read that before. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to take that terrifying sleigh ride that is 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Welcome to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Jeremy and Josh, and we try to review movies that are at least 10 years old and see what kind of impact they made or are still making on culture and the film industry. And fair warning, we're big on spoilers here. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? We covered Big Fish about 16 episodes back, and this is now our second dance with good old Tim Burton. So let's get the show on the road and uh, get after some trivia. All right. So you already pointed this out already, but um, I wanted to hit this point home. This is not directed by Tim Burton, actually. Right. This is a story that Tim Burton conceived and thought up the characters and stuff. But it's actually directed by Henry Selleck, who is basically everything he's done has been phenomenal. So I think they were Disney buddies back in the day because they both were animators for Disney. And this is based slightly off of uh, his short or um, Tim Burton's short Vincent. Did you ever see that? I haven't. I know what it is, but I never. That's another thing I got to catch up on. It's really good. Vincent Price actually does all the like the overhaul for it. And so anyways. Yeah. So it's based off of that. And then, um, let's see here. We've got the score by Danny Elfman. And then the budget was $18 million and it made $50 million. But then they keep putting it back at theaters because it's popular for holiday season. So right. it's now made a cumulative of $91 million is what it looks like. That's pretty Sweet. pretty intense. Let's see. Yeah. Definitely has uh, continued to grow in popularity, I would say. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Because this movie was... It, I want to say this was a... I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's finish real quick with these All things right. and we'll jump into it. Very good. So let's see. It, it's starring Danny Elfman, Catherine O'Hara, Chris Sarandon, Ken Page, Paul Rubens, Glenn Shaddix, William Hickey, and Edward Ivory. So that's a pretty solid cast there. So basically right. there's two different people that play Jack Skellington. Danny Elfman, who's also the composer, sings all of Jack Skellington's songs. And then Chris Sarandon does the talking voice. Did you know that Chris Sarandon is Prince Humperdinck from uh, The Princess Bride? Uh, I knew the name, and as soon as you said that, I was like, yep, that's it. I did not know that. And so as soon as he saw that, I was like, Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting, though. I was just like, oh, man, that's a, like, literally, he did Princess Bride, and six years later, he did The Nightmare Before Christmas. He's in two cult classic movies that are just massively favorites of people. Right. So that guy's got to be banking, hopefully hopefully yeah no, he's he's amazing i got a lot of trivia for this movie so josh tell us that synopsis of this film all right as always maybe well hopefully not as always but yes again this is wikipedia yes uh donate uh two or three dollars please people not to us there to wikipedia go. to wikipedia halloween town is a fantasy world filled with various monsters and supernatural beings associated with the holiday jack skellington the pumpkin king and leader of the town leads them in organizing the annual Halloween celebrations. However, privately, Jack has grown weary of the same routine year after year and wants something new. Wandering in the woods the next morning, he stumbles across seven trees containing doors leading to towns representing various holidays and enters the one leading into Christmas Town. Awed by the unfamiliar holiday, Jack returns to Halloween Town to show the residents his findings, but they fail to grasp the idea of Christmas and compare everything to, to their ideas of Halloween. Although they do relate to one Christmas Town character, its ruler, Santa Claus. 
Jack sequesters himself in his tower to study Christmas and find a way to rationally explain it, but cannot. He ultimately decides that it's unfair for Christmas Town alone to enjoy the holiday and announces that he and the citizens of Halloween Town will take over Christmas this year. Jack assigns the citizens of Halloween Town Christmas-themed jobs, including singing carols, making presents, and building a sleigh to be pulled by a skeletal reindeer. Sally, a beautiful ragdoll woman that is secretly in love with Jack, experiences a vision that their efforts will be end in disaster, but Jack dismisses this and dis- assigns her the task of sewing him a red coat to wear. He also tasks Lock, Shock, and Beryl, a trio of mischievous trick-or-treating children, to abduct Santa and bring him back to Halloween Town. Jack tells Santa he will be bringing Christmas to the world in his place this year. Jack orders the trio to keep Santa safe, but the children instead deliver Santa to Oogie Boogie, a gambling-addicted boogeyman who plots to play a game with Santa's life at stake. Sally attempts to rescue Santa so he can stop Jack, but Oogie captures her as well. Jack departs to deliver presents to the world, but the Halloween-style gifts terrify and attack the populace. While the media sends word via radio about the Santa imposter, the military takes action and shoots down Jack, causing him to crash into a cemetery. While the devastated residents of Halloween Town think he's been killed, Jack has survived, and while he bemoans the disaster he has made of Christmas, he finds he enjoyed the experience nonetheless, reigniting his love of Halloween. But first, he realizes he must take action to fix his mess. Jack returns to Halloween Town and finds Oogie's lair. Oogie tries to kill Jack, but Jack defeats him by ripping apart a thread, holding his cloth form together, causing all the bugs that live inside Oogie to fall into his cauldron. Jack apologizes to Santa for his actions, and Santa, while still angry at Jack for ruining Christmas and not listening to Sally's warnings, assures him that he can fix things and returns to Christmas Town. As Santa replaces the Halloween-style presents with genuine ones, the townspeople of Halloween Town celebrate Jack's survival and return. Santa then visits Halloween Town and brings them a snowfall for the residents to play with, which, in a way, fulfills Jack's original dream. As he flies away, Santa shouts out, Happy Halloween! And Jack replies by shouting, Merry Christmas! In the graveyard, Jack and Sally declare their love for each other. Um, my wife and I... We both like the the part where he they reference to each other as my dearest friend, and I just think that's actually really sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's very unique, but at the same time, I think it's a lot more personal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, so uh, this one is exciting to talk about because I uh, when I think of this movie, I think of you, Josh, because I remember you always liked this movie. Mm-hmm. You and your wife, I I believe you were both really into this, right? Uh, I, I don't think she is as much as I am, but she, she definitely knows I love this one. Oh, okay. Maybe she was into it cause you're into it and she's into you. So that makes sense. There you go. Something like that. I know she doesn't <laughs> hate it. I don't, it's, I don't think it's her favorite though, but I thought you uh, and her were both t- big Tim Burton fans. Uh, well, I mean, she's a huge big fish fan and, mm-hmm. oh, and the original Batman, well, right. I should say the, the two Batman movies that he did, she was, she loved those back in the day. We haven't watched those in a long time, so I'm curious to see what what she thinks about it but she used to watch those all the time Tec- um technically yeah. uh we watched batman returns as a christmas movie last year it is a christmas hey, that's movie. cool yeah i'll buy it i'll buy it all right so yeah but i know you're excited about this one and uh but let's... are you so excited that you're gonna tell me the first time you watch this movie <laughs> oh no i was not that excited yeah you, you like what i did there but i did i like that, that was a good <laughs> transaction er, transaction we ain't making no money, folks. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> All right. Maybe so, one day. Maybe one day. Hopefully tomorrow. Because then bills are need to be paid. So, <laughs> so the won't fir- you pledge one dollar to keep this <laughs> podcast on the air? Yeah, help us, please. We're going off the air. We need your money. The tax man's at the door. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, um, so the first time I saw this movie. I had to th- really think about that because I did not see this movie for a long time because, of course, it was demonic and all that stuff. So, sure. I saw Corpse Bride before I saw this movie, actually. Uh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I went back. I really liked Corpse Bride. I saw that in theaters. And then I went back to watch Nightmare Before Christmas. 
And I was super disappointed because I was like, there is way too much singing in this movie. <laughs> and just seeing it's, all the artwork and all of the pop culture references, I was expecting it to be this like freaking legit movie, you know? And because uh, Corpse Bride is, um, it's got a pretty, pretty compelling plot and it's fun. And there's like, sure. And well, so, if I remember correctly, it's a lot faster paced than Nightmare is. It's, it's very different because it's not a musical. So, right. Um, the synopsis for the film might be twice as long because the nightmare before christmas synopsis is actually pretty short comparatively yeah there's i mean when you think about it there's not a lot to it he's not happy he steals (laughs) his neighbor's uh job and balls it up and then fixes it and And that's it and there you have it Uh, Uh, (laughs) and he's and he pledges his true love right uh so i'd be like the like that thing on on uh facebook where it's like really bad explanations of movies this one would be like um, <laughs> this would be like man steals his neighbor's job and messes it up right <laughs> <laughs> which i mean that's that's pretty accurate <laughs> right my favorite one of those was when they were talking about uh, i think i told you this what it's like cosplay player beats up another mentally deranged cosplay player and that was the dark knights one <laughs> that was pretty good that's that's pretty right on right okay so jumping back into this um yeah so i saw that i want to say that was around i don't remember when corpse bride came out was that 2006 or something like that 2005 uh yeah i think so somewhere in there because i i'm pretty sure trinity and i rented it you know after we'd been married again because we're you know there's she does like some of his movies and i like pretty much all of his movies right yeah so that was uh yeah 2005 and i think that the reason that i was really um into that at the same time though is because i was a big fan of johnny depp at the time so i was like watching anything with johnny depp in it um then so anyways uh yeah so around 2005 is the first time that i saw this movie what about you well i didn't see this when it came out came out 93 Mm -hmm. uh which like you said this this movie was a big a big no-go in our home growing up uh but it was huge and i just remember seeing you know the posters everywhere um merchandise it, i mean it was everywhere so i remember being very intrigued about you know oh what is this evil movie that i'm not allowed to see and then <laughs> flash forward to you know uh yeah so i must have man i must I probably trinity and i were dating so maybe uh, I don't know, 2000, 2001 was probably the first time I actually saw it. So kind of well after the fact, mm. uh, I might've seen it a few years before then, but, um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I watched it with her initially. That makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, did you like it the first time you saw it? I mean, I kind of already said that you liked it. You know, I feel like this is one that I think I appreciated it, but I don't know that I, I loved it right off the bat. Um, but it's one of those ones where every time I've watched it, I, I like it more, even for different reasons. And mm-hmm. I know by the time I saw it the second time, whenever that was, I was definitely hooked. Um, I, I think like you, I didn't realize just how much singing and music was was in this movie and how, how interwoven into the story it is. Yeah. So I think that took me a time or two to get used to and then uh, realized, or, or it, just, it just it grew on me or something. I don't know. It grabbed me eventually. Yeah. It has I mean, a really not that, not that it took that long. It has a really strong Oingo Boingo uh, vibe to it. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, was, I was really waiting for you to explain that. Like, wow, so that totally joke. didn't get that. Right? Uh, <laughs> Danny Elfman is from the band Oingo Boingo, and so, anyways, uh, he actually started scoring movies just kind of as a side gig thing, and then he ended up being good at it, and then now that's actually kind of more what he got famous for. And right. So uh, this movie, though, he said that it was really easy for him to come up with the songs because he he identifies so much with Jack Skellington. I don't really know what that means, but maybe one of our listeners can explain that to me. But um, yeah, so uh, the songs in here, though, are they're very extremely catchy and they're very um, they're very the opposite of forgetful. <laughs> coming up with the word memorable. That's what I was trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so. Um, yeah, they're very memorable though, and they're very different than so than other musicals that I've seen, and I appreciate that. And yeah, I think it's pretty cool actually. I'm trying to. I don't want to steal the the uh, limelight on this one. I, I want you to you know, like tell me what you thought about this and different things because I feel like I could just jump into trivia 
but sure i know that we'll this- definitely just just sprinkle that trivia in you know as we go okay uh, but i i agree with you this is a, absolutely a strong musical it's it's yes. got a solid um soundtrack in my opinion i don't think there's any songs in it that i really don't care for i mean there's obviously the ones that everyone would probably know because they get played you know more than some of the other ones but um yeah, i think it's pretty solid yeah and you know, obviously a good musical has to have a lot of good songs in it you would hope uh, to you would hope uh, there's there's probably some where there's one or two songs that are known for and that's it but this one is very solid i've, I've definitely listened to this whole just the soundtrack like i, I think probably maybe about 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh when i maybe seven or eight years ago when i started paying for music as far as like a streaming service i think we had amazon's initially and um i got the soundtrack through that and then just really really listened to it a lot i think the girls uh really got into it i listened to some they had also put out i think in the early 2000s they put out a um a a bunch of popular bands at the time did a big cover album of it so there was like fallout boy and i can't think of who else but i I can think of their song that they did but i know marilyn manson did a cover and yes um, several other big big bands covered this, so it's like a well received uh, musical in the in the music industry. Right. So that album was really cool. So I remember just really digesting the music. You know, probably about ten years after I had seen it, and that was kind of another uh, step in me loving the movie even more. Just really, really breaking down the music and absorbing that. Yeah. Yeah, I think every time I've watched this, I get something different out of it. I either see something that I hadn't seen before or just experience a different emotion or something. I agree. I'm totally with you on that. Like, I see things that, yeah, I've never seen before. The thing that's awesome about stop motion animation is, I mean, some directors are like this anyways, where they're very meticulous about what's in every shot of the movie, like Stanley Kubrick. But um, this movie, though, like everything that you see is placed there intentionally. Every movement is intentional. And so I love that about stop motion animation films. There's no mistakes in stop motion animation. Like everything is extremely planned. Um, They had to do, what is that, 12 movements for every... uh, Normally you do 12 movements for claymation, 12 movements in like one movement per every 24... What is it? I'm messing this up. 24 frames is basically 12 movements for claymation. This is different, though, to make it more smooth than regular classic uh, claymation like Wallace and Gromit. This, they right. actually did 24 movements in 24 frames. So every frame, they had to slightly adjust the characters. Wow. So that makes it more fluid. And I'm always blown away by stop motion animation movies. Like, <laughs> right. I, I don't think I'm a very patient person because they had it took over three years to film this and over 100 animators and right that is meticulous planning i mean right it's insane. and that being said i gotta give a shout out i put it in my notes i had to give a shout out to leica studios oh yeah our studio the that's the group that put out Coraline, um box trolls mm-hmm. um there's uh paranorman yeah kubo thank you i couldn't think of that one earlier but right that that company that i mean they are to me they're the new pixar as far as what they do i mean their stuff makes the, the the motion capture in nightmare look terrible i mean theirs is so smooth and fluid i mean there's just it's and nothing against nightmare mm-hmm. it's amazing and i wouldn't change a thing about it but just the the technology has changed and they've just gotten better at that old school craft of you know minute movements yeah I mean, you go back to like you said claymation you got gumby or davy and goliath and so well, our- looking at what they can do now is phenomenal Right. I, I will say the like shout out to Ardman Studios though. Like they've always been top notch and they've been constantly getting better with the groove. They're just um their their studio though burned down a few years ago, so they were like slowly building that back up. They're the creators wow. of like Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run, all that stuff. Um yeah, but Leica Studios though, Henry Selleck is a big part of that. He directed Coraline as well as this movie and of course James and the Giant Peach. Which I didn't know this. I thought James and the Giant Peach came out before this, but it came out after this movie. So right. This was Henry Selleck's like first uh, full length movie. Which is That's cool. And there's intense. and Jack Skellington shows up in uh, James and the Giant Peach. Yes. If you didn't know, which is- uh, I haven't seen the movie for. I let somebody borrow my copy, and I don't remember who it was, so I have to buy it again. I know. I know. It's the cardinal sin. 
I know. I have well, I've definitely lost so many movies and back when CDs were a thing, so many CDs <laughs> loaning loaning to people and oh yeah, go ahead, check it out, and then just you know, gone. You gotta watch this. Yeah. And then two years later, who was I friends with at that time? <laughs> right. So, um, which is kind of funny actually. I I ha- I own Nightmare Before Christmas and we let a friend borrow it. And so we watched it on Disney uh, Plus, actually, so we could watch it for the review. Right. Y'all, that saved me. I did not have time because we just got back from camping, so I didn't have time to watch it this week. Mm-hmm. I mean, last night when we got home, I was like, well, I could drag out the DVD and watch <laughs> it, but I'm really tired. I need to pay attention, you know? So I, uh, thankfully, it was on Disney Plus, so which was awesome because I just downloaded it to my iPad and watched it in a couple of parts um, at work between flights. So that huge save i was able to knock that out and be a little fresher to put my thoughts down dude we were in the middle of downton abbey and i was like oh snap i still gotta watch that movie <laughs> so um, you watching the sh- the show or the movie the, what are you talking about downton abbey for down yeah oh yeah we're in season two we're slowly working to it. it's my new addiction so is this your first time watching it yeah i've never seen it before oh my gosh yeah, yeah really digging amazing it. yeah amazing the heartstrings the feels so oh. anyways um, yeah, so we that's another up- podcast <laughs> <laughs> exclusively just about Downton Abbey. <laughs> There's probably already 50 podcasts out there with <laughs> just probably. about Downton Abbey. There needs to be 51. So, right. um, yeah, but I watched it last night and I kept getting freaking distracted by the movie because I was trying to look up facts while I was watching the movie and I finally just put my phone down because the movie kept sucking me in. And right. I love stop motion animation movies. That's my kryptonite. Like I try to see every single one in theaters, even if it looks dumb. I try to see it just so I can support the, the, um, all of the, the art artistic, form. yeah, the stuff. Because it yeah. takes for. I mean, it takes a long time to make any movies. It takes forever though for that, and I'm just like yes. so blown away by that. Like I know how it's made, and it still blows me away. Like Fantastic Mr. Right. Fox, like amazing. Oh yeah, it's just that's a great example. Yeah, yeah. So going back to did this you see, movie, have you seen Isle of Dogs? I did. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I've not a, seen that one yet. Wasn't as big of a fan of that movie. My wife really liked it, but um, it's a very different flavor than Fantastic Mr. Fox. I probably need to watch sure. it again. Well, um, that's, that's Wes Anderson. He he likes to change it up now and then. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Back to this movie, man. That's like three rabbit trails already. Heck yeah! In like um, two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, Vincent Price was originally cast as Santa Claus, but his wife had passed away and his own health began to deteriorate. And so his voice performance was very frail and weak. So they unfortunately, they uh, couldn't use them much to uh, Henry Selleck was like super champion for him to do it. And so he was really disappointed that they couldn't use it because his voice was really weak. And actually, Vincent Price uh, passed away like just a couple days before this movie was released. So I know oh, he, wow. I knew he was getting up there, but this would have potentially been his last movie. I don't remember what's his last movie. If it's Edward Scissorhands or maybe something else. But Vincent Price, though, a treasure among Hollywood, though. Like this sure. guy, freaking legit legend. When you think of horror movies, like classic horror movies, like old right. school classic horror movies, it's Vincent Price. In like, Well, correct me if I'm wrong. He was in Ed Wood, right? He probably was. I mean, I know Bella Lugosi was in it, and that was his last movie. I don't remember. Oh, if, that's it. I think that's what I'm confusing. I remember that was, you're right. It was Bella Lugosi's last movie. I don't remember if, uh, yeah, I don't remember if <laughs> Vincent Price right. I'm looking it, it up. <laughs> well, the thing is funny though about Bella Lugosi, Nether Rabbit Trail, folks, we should name this episode Rabbit Trail Before Christmas. Um, right. So, yeah, but Bella Lugosi though, it's funny. He plays himself inside Edwood. We'll get to that movie eventually. Yeah, but this one though, um, let's see, what else do I got here? This was, uh, Tim Burton wanted to direct this movie, but unfortunately, hey, you were you were right. Edward Scissorhands was his last one. Was it okay? Yeah. All right. So, um, what was I saying? No, oh, yeah. Tim Burton wanted to direct this movie, but he was finishing up Batman Returns, and Henry Stilick started started working on it. And then Tim Burton would was only would only visit like every now and then, and only be there for like a couple days at a time. So, if you think they worked on this movie almost every day for three years, over a hundred anim- animators. That's a lot of work. And if Tim Burton was like barely there technically. So right. it's realistically, it's more Henry Selleck's movie. I would say than Tim Burton's movie. Sure. I mean, I think the biggest thing is it's, it's Tim Burton's idea. Mm-hmm. It's got his fingerprints all over it. Yeah. Not literally, uh, probably Henry Selleck's literally though. Right. Right. But they're there. They're there. You just can, but uh, I mean, that being said, he, 
it's definitely fair to call it Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, especially considering he wrote the original what poem or short story or whatever it was. Yeah, it was a three-page poem, which actually on the 2008 DVD, uh, believe it or not, Christopher Lee actually says the poem on the 2008 DVD. In case you guys want to check that out. Oh, that's awesome! I don't know if I have that that one. Come yeah, to think of it. It's it's a oh I'm sorry it's the Blu-ray DVD special release I think that's the newest oh, release no, I don't that have they that have one. yeah I don't think I have that one either I'll probably buy it just because I'm pretty sure I'll never see my copy again so <laughs> <laughs> well um, yeah and especially to have Christopher Lee reading the uh, the poem I mean that's awesome dude I bet it'd be so freaking epic I need to look that up right now or uh, after it's I get probably off. on YouTube it probably is or Spotify or something like that I'm not sure oh another cool thing. Patrick Stewart originally was the narrator at the beginning of the movie, but then they cut his part out, but it's on the soundtrack. Mm. The, so since you listened to the soundtrack, have you heard um, our great captain's voice? Uh, probably. I feel really dumb for not remembering this, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll have to go back. There. Now I'm going to listen to it tomorrow morning on my way to work and put it on. <laughs> uh, so uh, sequel-wise, um, have you heard anything about a sequel to this movie? No, but I was actually thinking about that today. Ah, is there is there something in the works? Apparently, there's something in the works. They've been wanting to do a sequel for a long time, but um, they weren't sure if they're going to do live action or like a uh, classic animation and go away from stop motion. But Tim Burton put his foot down pretty hard, and he was like, "Um, no, I don't want to do. It's got to be like stop motion if we do it." Henry Selleck is open to doing it, but they. Somebody was kicking around on the idea where they were like, we'll go to Thanksgiving World, and he Tim Burton like totally shot that down. So there is technically a sequel to this in a game, actually, called uh, Night Before Christmas, Bo- uh, Oogie's Revenge. And then mm-hmm. actually the creators of that consulted with Tim Burton on like where the story would go. So technically there is a sequel, and it's a video game. I think it's on PlayStation. I'm not okay. sure which one it is. Let's see here. Uh, he's also... I do remember when I was watching this, I was like, man, I feel like there was a game that had come out. So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Right. Uh, I'm trying to see. And while I was like, I do have to say, I was looking up artwork uh, today to post on Instagram when we release this. And um, I did see there was some, some uh, concept art for a live action one, which was kind of cool looking. I I was intrigued. I really don't want to see a live action one personally. I feel like it just, Eh, just won't have the same same feel, but the artwork was kind of cool to see. No, I think this movie, I agree. I mean, unless they prove me wrong, like the Blade Runner sequel, um, most of the time sequels to classics, especially 20 years, 30 years after the original movie, not a good idea. So, right. I mean, that's like literally the every now and then you get one that's actually good and builds on the original and it's like really good. Not normally, though. Most of the time, it weakens the franchise. You know, like Shrek. The first one was dope. Second one was a solid sequel. And then we won't talk about what happened to the rest of the series. So, <laughs> I'm trying to look through my other stuff real quick. And... Well, while you're looking, I was going to say one of the first things I thought of as I, as I was watching this, it kind of made me think of back when it came out and just the kind of kid that I was. I'm pretty sure it really would have kind of disturbed me because it's a really creepy kind oh, yeah. of disturbing opening um well the whole movie but the opening um song sequence what well, but you know singing about halloween town and kind of giving you the you know the gist of of what they do there uh definitely kind of creepy i mean now i see how whimsical it is and it's super fun and i love it even my kids love it mm-hmm. and it yeah but back then i think that would have kind of terrified me but it's i just was kind of seeing it from a kid's eyes especially the kid i was you know being kind of sheltered and i was like man that was it's kind of dark (laughs) well i love it but (laughs) that's so funny you say that i was a little creeped out the first time i saw it like legitimately like because you don't know what's going to happen there's like there's so many different characters and it did kind of creep me out and then yeah and then last time i watched this i just enjoyed everything i was just yeah this is cool you know this is this is freaking legit so he's, well, then the, the scene where Lock, Shock, and Barrel are sent off to go kidnap Santa Claus. Yeah. Also, the little song they sing and everything is just like, wow, that's that's really dark. <laughs> that's really disturbing. Right? No, I I totally feel you. Like a lot of these things are kind of dark, but like in a playful way. Like I don't know. It, it to me, I think Tim Burton for a long time captured the essence of uh, more of a a dark gothic type of atmosphere where it's like right 
you're not afraid of dark things, but you kind of embrace them, but it's more lighthearted. I don't know. It's that I'm uh, so it's well, no, that's, that's his style is that whole American Gothic. Yeah. Kind of vibe. So it's, well, actually, yeah, it's a lighthearted, dark take on concepts. Right. So the thing that's funny is this movie is a mixture of German, uh, German expressionism and then Dr. Seuss type of stuff. So like, they specifically yeah. had Halloween Town be, hev- be heavily um, inspired by German expressionism. Like the 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 movie the the Cabinet of Doctor Calabari is like you see that movie and you're like that's totally Tim Burton. Which that movie was made over a hundred years ago. So like the artwork in that he was heavily influenced by that. And then they go to Christmas Town and that's totally Doctor Seuss type of stuff. Yeah. And then the the life the or the modern day. Or the, I should say the human world, because I don't think this movie is set in modern days, to actually, to be honest. Um, and so the, the human world, though, it's very kind of like right down the middle, kind of boring, but not quite. Yeah. So what do you think this movie takes place, by the way? Well, that's a that's a good question, because I didn't really think about that part of it, because I, I kind of felt like it was in a... Well, I guess, I guess you do have to... If you, it is kind of an idealistic, what you could say american time so i would nail it somewhere in the late 50s early 60s was kind of the that's what i was thinking the the style of you know the human world yeah that's exactly what i was thinking last time i watched it like the way the police were acting the the air the the ground to air guns that are like massive it's just like it's funny because it's like oh that's post-war like guns like straight up so right i definitely don't think this was a technically a 90s movie i think it's it's supposed to be more of a yeah americana classic type of like post-war just like what they a lot of people would say like the golden years of america right you know like the baby boomers generation right which is kind of like edward edward scissorhands definitely has that you know modern suburbia kind of feel from the the 60s or whatever right and i think tim burton tries to do that specifically to um just so that way it's kind of like to make the modern or the the regular world seem a little bit more magical because it's mm-hmm. like a specific time that then he kind of enlarges upon that um that idea right but yeah so actually, apparently there is a hidden mickey when jack is ex- doing his experiments there's like there's mickey is like on the table so i didn't see that when i was watching the movie i'll have to check that out next time oh yeah i'll have to tell my kids that they're good at looking for hidden mickeys and disney films and whatnot always good to find a hidden mickey especially if you're out drinking so anyways um, (laughs) (laughs) so this is the first stop motion animated film to be rated pg by the mpaa that's pretty cool wow yeah i think that just goes to show there wasn't that many stop motion animation movies i mean you have a lot of tv specials which tim burton originally wanted this to be a tv special but nobody would pick it up um wow yeah because he was he loved the Rudolph the Nose Reindeer ones from like the sixties and stuff. Maybe, yeah, maybe he picked that time frame because that might have been his childhood growing up. Could be. That would have been yeah. interesting. This was well, also- that's that's very much that time period where, um, you know, all the, a lot of the Christmas songs that we sing, you know, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, all those, uh, Frosty the Snowman, a lot of those kind of came out in the uh, that forties, fifties, sixties kind of yeah. time period. You know, shout out to Burl Ives, love that guy. There we go. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This is also the first fully animated Disney film to not be traditionally animated. I thought that was interesting. But te- that is. So technically, this is the fun part about this. So Disney definitely picked up Nightmare Before Christmas. In the in the teaser trailer, it says, like, this is a Disney movie. But then they backed out because they thought it was too dark, even though this was still right on the edge of the Dark Ages time for Disney. Mm-hmm. And this is the second Disney cartoon movie to be rated PG. The Black Cauldron was the first one. But... Um, so they, they thought it was too dark for the Disney logo. So they released it under touchstone pictures. So which, uh, you're right, which is pretty funny. Cause I didn't think this was a Disney movie technically for a long time, but then now they totally, they totally own it. They're like, no, oh, yeah. They're like, no, it's a Disney film. We want to make yeah, money. It was, it was ours all the time. Right. <laughs> we love this movie. So proud of it. Yeah, exactly. Never doubted it. Right. But I, I do remember that though, when, oh man, I think, I feel like in the late nineties, mm-hmm. um, like I remember starting to see nightmare stuff pop up like in hot topic. Oh uh, yeah. Like it was kind of a, a little bit of a punk rock thing and all of a sudden Disney was splashed all over it. And I, I agree. I remember thinking what Disney bought the rights to nightmare. That's weird. Right. Not realizing, you know, that they had owned it all along just for whatever reason where, 
you know, ashamed of it. They were just like, ah, I don't know if this is too intense, which is funny now because I think Disney's kind of reevaluated what they consider to be the Disney brand, especially with all the Marvel movies. So. Oh yeah, and Star Wars. Oh yeah, forgot about that. Good old. I mean, now they're now they can do they can be Disney is whatever they want it to be now, and everybody will buy it. <laughs> right? No, no joke. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this is the the other thing about this too is apparently on the soundtrack there's a little bit of an epilogue that says that Jack Skellington had like four or five kids. So I thought that was dang. I missed that. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, Josh. What the heck, man? Jeez. <laughs> thought you were a fan they're gonna, they're, they're gonna take my super fan card and shred it yeah it's not good forget I'm that it on fire <laughs> and uh, let's see here originally oogie boogie was intended originally intended to be dr finkelstein in disguise so they were gonna hmm. have him like actually kind of be in love with sally but since there was no lead up to that when they when they did that then tim burton shut down that idea and apparently he was so mad at the idea that he kicked a hole in the wall so wow kids don't do drugs but <laughs> that was <laughs> But wow, that's that's intense. That's a lot of passion. And he also doesn't doesn't look at Oogie Boogie as being a villain in this. He just views him as just being another character. So I mean, so that kind of makes sense though, because I don't know. Maybe it doesn't make sense. Well, Everybody's the hero in their own story. Sure. I I just feel like he's he's just evil. But they were they didn't really have a problem with it. I should you know Jack didn't really have a problem with it per se until santa and sally were involved but otherwise they're kind of just like yeah he just does his thing over there right which did you think that he was banished to that underground area like where he couldn't come out or do you think i thought that was just his house yeah i just thought he hung out there i mean he's he's just kind of a i don't know just kind of a dirtbag uh addict kind right. of guy so i think he just that's just naturally where he might end up. I don't, I don't, I didn't get the fact that, or get the feel that he was banished, but that definitely he was not a, you know, citizen in good standing in right. Halloween town. Right. And I felt like, um, also as well, there's the part where you see his shadow on the moon. And I guess some people were like, is that him? Is that not him? I'm like, I totally thought that was him like a hundred percent right away. He's the Oogie Boogie man, you know? Right. So yeah, I, I thought that was him. I, I always assumed it was. Yeah. One of my favorite parts in this movie, though, is the I love the vampires because they sing so high. Oh yeah, I just yeah, it was just freaking awesome. Yeah, well, I know watching it this time, I really appreciated every scene that they were in. Um, They're very articulate, and you can tell they're just they're kind of a little bit um, like the aristocracy a little bit. They're a little higher than everyone else and like right. when they when they're doing the presents they're wrapping these like perfect presents with the bow and everything because most of the other stuff people are doing is kind of throwing it slap, together yeah slap together and there's there's looks all you know perfect and pretty right yeah i i love that we should probably get into our final verdicts because i have been holding back about this movie so i well, think I, yeah, I actually have something to say too. Oh, uh, like a final verdict or something else? Uh, Something else. Oh, okay. Let's, uh, let's hear that before we roll into final verdicts then. All right. So something that, like I said earlier, this movie has, I feel like it's had something different for me each time I've watched it and I've just uncovered different layers of what, I don't know, maybe just what I was feeling in the moment or like I said, the music really grabbed me um, during a time period where I was watching this. And, um, or just, you know, other times just really picking apart, man, there's so much detail and so many things going on in each scene, you know, like all the, the stop motion stuff. And this time, and I was not expecting this, but I'm watching it with the purpose of taking notes, which is cool. And mm-hmm. I usually just, I don't have anything in mind. I just, you know, whatever grabs me and I start writing. So th- it hit me this time. And I think it's just, uh, you know, just being, uh, the person I am and the life that I've experienced, you know, thus far, I felt like this movie was kind of existential. It kind of had like some deeper things going on that I hadn't really paid attention to before. Um, I felt like there's some really deep themes going on, especially for a kid's movie, which is awesome. I love movies like that, that you can take at face value and it's entertaining or you can, you know, dive deeper. Well, I didn't, Uh, I didn't smoke weed while I was watching this movie. So how did you, (laughs) 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 what was your thoughts on that? (laughs) So the, the thing that really grabbed me, I'll try to keep this short. Uh, (laughs) The thing that really grabbed me was that Jack is, his character I saw in myself and I think in a lot of people 
Uh, I feel like it's guys a lot of the time, but I'm sure uh, women do this too. But not realizing that, you know, everything that he needed in life was like right under his nose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that everything that he's needed, you know, he had it all along. And the concept of being content is very tough for people. And I I think that's a very Western problem that we have. Mm. Uh, Just always wanting more. And always be always being driven to get the next best thing and never being content with what you have. But that also goes with just being satisfied with your life yeah. and, you know, your talents and, uh, you know, what, I guess you could say what you do for a living. Cause a lot of people, your job is kind of how you identify, but, um, it could also be your talents and passions and whatnot. And just that also that concept of, we always want what others have, you know, he's very, and en- once he f- stumbles ac- uh, across Christmas town, you know, he's very envious in a way right. of what Santa's got. And he thinks that, well, I can do that. I'm a talented guy. I can do this. And then he ends up, you know, taking it and kind of just goes, you know, with that whole, that old adage that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Um, you know, and especially in this case, it, it wasn't really, it's, it was good for Santa, but what was good for Santa wasn't good for Jack. Yes. Um, and so you really, you know, you see his character learn to appreciate what he has, his talents. He learns to appreciate Santa's talents for what he has. Um, you really see jealousy, um, you know, being a, a strong thing in this movie, whether it's, you know, like I said, him being jealous of Santa. You see Dr. Was it Finkelstein or uh, Fink- yeah, Dr. Finkelstein. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just kind of being jealous of Sally's time and, you know, her running off and, you know, wanting to keep you know, keep her under his thumb and uh, being possessive. Um, just as the concept of everyone has a part to play in life. You know, every, every person in Halloween town kind of had their little role. Uh, and then there's that second door, well, second door, secondary storyline of Sally. And she's got the love interest, you know, she's secretly in love. And like someone who truly loves another person, a lot of times you, you know, you're trying to help them and you see them going down a path that isn't good, but you still love them and you try to encourage them. And sometimes you even enable them and try to support them. And it's just like, this is not good. Um, so you really see that in her and you see her being sad, you know, seeing that he's, you know, the, the way that he's handling things and it's making her sad and she's sad for him, just watching him spiral kind of out of control. Uh, and then there's that other, another part of it, another kind of a side topic was being exposed to new things in life. Mm. Cause a lot of times we get stuck in our rut and our little, little tiny bubble of life that we experience, And we never realize there's so much more out there. Uh, Jack obviously took that to an extreme cause he was very, you know, kind of depressed and, yeah. uh, not satisfied with what he had, but there's nothing wrong with, you know, the people in Halloween town got to experience, Oh, there's more out there and kind of, you know, broaden their horizon horizons, which was awesome. Sorry, that was a long rant. No, but it just kind of hit me because that's definitely me. That's that's me. And I was telling Trini this earlier today, and she's like, kind of smiling and nodding. It's like, yep, that's been you, just not being satisfied with things that I've done artistically or even just in life, just with with work or being a you know, I, well, I could be so much more this or that, and not being content with you know all the wonderful things that I've been provided and. Um, yeah, it just really hit me, and I'm like, "Good lord!" And then just seeing that Jack is this kind of narcissistic, megalomaniac kind of character. He's so obsessed with himself and his happiness, and kind of dragging other people along to his his worldview, and just kind of hate home. Being a, mo- being a monster. Yeah, and I was like, "Man, that's me. I don't like that." And then Sally kind of being a real hero in the movie. I mean, she's the one that was trying to save things and, right. and put things right. And Jack was more of a reactionary hero at the end when he realized, um, you know, Oh crap. Yeah. This didn't work, which was funny. Cause when he, when he literally crashes and burns and he realizes, Oh, this was a mistake. First he throws kind of a pity party, right? Oh, poor me. And then he throws a temper tantrum, you know, well, it's not fair, you know? Right. <laughs> and then, and then finally, you know, and this is in the, in the, scope of two minutes finally comes around and sees the light and oh i gotta fix this that was faster than the turnaround in thor absolutely right <laughs> which I was, and i was thinking like that never happens in real life usually you just continue to you know feel sorry for yourself or throw tantrums and the right. fact that he had that aha moment and genuinely went and fixed it you know it was great happy ending everything's cool but good lord man that was it was such like a cold splash of water in the face to see that and it just made me love the movie even more just you know 
and maybe I'm totally crazy and that really wasn't all there, but it, it was so real to me as I'm watching this movie for the umpteenth time. I always think that's cool, though, when you have a, a piece of art that really speaks to you on a personal level. And it doesn't matter if it's something you've experienced before. It just, like, can hit you. Yeah. And I think that's awesome. Like, that, that is super cool hearing that. That just, all of a sudden, it kind of helps peel back the layers of yourself to understand yourself yeah. more. Absolutely. And hopefully good art does that in us. Hopefully it does expose bad things we want to change and and you know encourages the good in us as well i think it would yeah just exposes truth about us yeah that's pretty awesome uh are we ready for final statements on this final verdict final verdict that's the word i was looking for all right so do you think josh that it by the way sorry stomp all over that was really cool what you uh what you experienced from that so thanks for sharing that oh for sure i know we're running short on time that was a lot to say, but who cares? Uh, I'll edit out. <laughs> I'll edit out some of my bad jokes. So, <laughs> anyways, uh, do you think that it hit the mark when it came out? Box office. I think wise? so. I well, I mean, based on the numbers, yeah. I don't think they you know they didn't lose any money. And like I said, I remember as a kid just feeling like it was everywhere, and it seemed like everybody was talking about it, and it seemed to be you know definitely the big new hit that had come out at the time. Yeah, I. Uh, so, what would you rate it then with that? Um, I, I mean, I guess I give it an A, a soft A. I, I think I would give it, honestly, I think I'll give it a B minus on this because Mm -hmm. it, I mean, so, okay, budget's 18 million. So it made like 1.5 more than that. Plus whatever the marketing was on that. So it wasn't, that is, that's very modest. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I'll give it a B minus. So I think that it like it wasn't a it wasn't a runaway hit, but it was definitely wasn't a bomb though at all. I think it made money. Um, right. It's more of like a big fish type of thing. Well, it's not even big fish. I think was but was more popular than this at the time. Yes. Um, so I agree. Yeah, but well, it's definitely. I feel like this movie's been a slow burn. I think it was a mm-hmm. a decent, you know, like and didn't lose money. It wasn't huge, but it made some money. And then I, I mean, I just, don't think it lost money. I think that right, but I think they have sure made a lot more money with it over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I goes right into the next question: Is this movie still relevant, Josh? I would say absolutely yes. As a given an A, as one as a cult classic, but it just I feel like it's constantly gaining new fans. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that it's 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 just only gained in popularity and gained steam. And I, I think it's always you know, it's definitely seen as a true classic. Yeah, I think it's definitely joined the ranks of those with the the highly enviable spot of a Christmas classic that you have to watch every year. Like, I think it's right there, right, with lots of other Christmas movies that will name we will not name. So, right. but, um, <laughs> so yeah, and so I definitely agree. I give it an A as for being relevant because I think yeah, it's been consistently growing in popularity. Everybody, well, mo- most people. If you if you're up to date with pop culture, you have an you at least seen Jack Skellington. You may not know his name, but you recognize him. Oh and right, you go a- you go to a Disney store in any mall in America, and they're gonna have you know nightmare stuff. Right, it's just it's a Christmas staple now. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I give it an A. All right, um, here's the hard one now. Personal enjoyment, Josh. Oh, so difficult. Ah, uh, it's an A. Who am I fooling? <laughs> Who am I kidding? <laughs> Stab. <laughs> so I okay. So the thing that was interesting about this, and I was holding back about it. Uh, first time I watched this movie, I was disappointed because I was expecting something different. And so then the second right. time I watched this movie, I was like, "All oh, right, this will be a new Christmas movie that we'll watch every time." And I enjoyed it, but I was like, "Okay." And then a few years later, I last night actually, it's the third time that I've seen this movie, and I was oh, wow. blown away by all of the little details like the clever writing the the wittiness of all of the 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 sight gags in this movie like i was blown away by this and i honestly could totally watch this movie again like tonight i i definitely got to give it an a as well because it just it blew me away i feel like i'm just i am liking this movie more and more like the charm is one of those great things where you the more you're around it the more you like it and so yeah 100 percent yeah i definitely uh, yeah it's awesome stuff so okay the fourth one then is it a midnight watch yeah uh absolutely for me i i feel like every sequence in this movie is interesting to watch i feel like if it's on tv for sure whatever sequence it's at 
you know, whatever part in the movie, you're going to stop and at least finish that one part. Cause it's every, there's so much detail in every scene. So yeah. I, I don't see how it couldn't be. I mean, I kind of feel that way with most stop motion, mm-hmm. you know, move movies. I'll say movies, maybe not every special and everything out there, but most stop motion, cause there's not a lot of stop motion movies really out there, but I think most of them are, um, catch your eye, make you stop. And you know, what am I watching? Right. Cause the artwork is a hundred percent on show and everything's every frame literally every frame you see is planned so um yeah i feel like you could pause this movie at any time and it would be a picture you could put on the wall yeah so um but okay so this is the thing though i'm conflicted though do i think this is the midnight watch i want to say yes but i don't think it's a midnight watch for me like i think this is a great fantastic movie but i think if it was on i'd watch it for like five minutes and then go to bed i don't think i'd finish this movie mm-hmm. and so uh i gotta say yeah I, I do not think it is a midnight watch but i totally think it is a fantastic film right hey and uh the fifth or sixth time you watch it you might change your mind <laughs> who knows <laughs> who knows yeah all right well that wraps up today's episode if you want to check out this movie i think we already discussed this we both watched it on disney plus right so which is also yeah, but, and we both own them well, and we both te- own it. Technically, you own it. I mean, I <laughs> I don't know if I own it anymore. I, I have to track down that friend. But um, and also too, I did see it was on Amazon Prime. I'm pretty sure though. Um, if if you listeners out there, if you know ten people, one of them has a copy of this movie, so you probably. can probably track it down pretty well. So yeah, um, there you go. Special thanks to our sound producer Jake Colvin. If you enjoyed this episode then we'd love it if you shared it with your friends or anyone that you think that would like it. And please hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'd love a five-star rating. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, a ton of other ones. There's not many that we're not on. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram. We'd love to see you on Instagram. And uh, you also, you can email us the old-fashioned way at the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, folks. Have an awesome week, and as always, keep up the watch.